0: Good morning. It's so great you've joined us for this final week in our One Thing series. In this series, we consider a number of stories where the Bible, in the Bible where people focused on one thing. And as we looked at each of the statements, we learned something of what is truly important, what truly matters. Today, we're looking at the statement that says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's written by a guy, Paul, who's under arrest through a series of unfortunate events that saw him unjustly imprisoned in Rome. You know, sometimes it's in lockdown that our most profound realizations come about, isn't it? I saw a YouTube video by a guy called Tom Foolery who... made up this fantastical video about what would be like looking back on 2020 and the realizations that we had. And I ask you, what are the realizations you've had about yourself and the world since you've been in lockdown and had some more time to think and reflect? Well, Paul writes from his cell in Rome to his friends in Philippi, a Greek city, the first city in Greece that uh, he landed. And it's a great letter. And if you've not read it recently, I encourage you to have a read. Uh, it's beautiful, a, a letter full of joy and hope. And if you want to have a, a more in-depth look at that book, uh, that letter, then uh, you'll be happy to know Well, remember that we did a sermon series about that letter just over a year ago. And uh, we'll put the link up to those messages in YouTube info. And it'll be great to go back and have a look through the whole thing. But anyway, we focused on his one statement today, One Thing I Do. And as we go through the message today, I I know that you will see echoes of the lessons learned we've 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 looked at in previous weeks as well. And, and it may feel like we're repeating ourselves a little bit, but it's okay uh, if we seem like we're repeating ourselves. Because verse one of Paul's letter in this chapter of Paul's letter says further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again (laughs) as as it is a safeguard for you well he continues watch out for those dogs those evil doers those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh One of the greatest battles Paul fought and one of the recurring themes in his writings is is a warning against those who believed that it wasn't good enough that people became Christians. They had also to become Jewish. They had to live according to Jewish law. Their, Their reasoning was that Jesus was Jewish, so therefore anyone who was going to follow Jesus should also become Jewish. And this included a following a, a lot of laws and adopting a lot of customs, including the practice of male circumcision. And this is what Paul is referring to here when he talks about mutilators of the flesh. Paul says circumcision of the flesh is not important, though. What is important is, is we, the circumcision. We are the the circumcision. It's not an unusual thing. It it might sound like a very radical thing to say, a radical point of view, but it's not that strange. The idea exists in the Old Testament where it talks a lot about the circumcision of the heart. It's not about the outward sign. It's about the inward life and living. It's well established in the Old Testament. um, I'll put the text up for you. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all refer to this concept of, of the inner circumcision of the heart, not just the outward sign. Because in each case, they argue that the outward sign of circumcision isn't really important unless the heart is right with God. In fact, if it was just about outward signs, then Paul himself is a postal boy for the Jewish way. You know, here's what he writes, though I myself have reasons for such confidence in the flesh. If if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I'm faultless. It's a big claim, isn't it? A massive claim to be faultless according to the law. Well, a few weeks ago, we explored the story of Jesus meeting with the rich young ruler, I don't know if you remember. If not, go back and have a look. In many ways, Paul is just like that rich young ruler. He was wealthy. He was well-educated. He was well-connected. By this stage, he's not as young, but he had great authority with senior Jewish leadership and senior Roman leadership. He was famous. The rich young ruler, grown up a little bit. The difference is that when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and laid his credentials out for Jesus, Jesus revealed the one thing that he lacked. And the rich young ruler went away sad because he couldn't give up what he thought mattered. For what Jesus told him really mattered. In Paul's case, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And it it caused a radical shift, a new understanding in Paul's life that set him on a completely new path. Here's what he says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Actually, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, the value of knowing Christ Jesus, the Lord, is the same as we saw last week. One thing I know is that I can now see, that the life is now better. And everything else is considered garbage, according to Paul. I love the interpreters of the English Bible sometimes. You know, garbage is such a nice and almost sanitized sort of word. Actually, in reality, the Greek word used by Paul in his letter is far closer to a swear word. Uh, if, the, if the interpreters were going to be accurate in their translation, And not so sensitive, they may have translated the word poo or a swear word beginning with. (laughs) I only make this crude point because it shows just how passionate Paul is about this. Everything else is garbage compared to gaining, protecting and pursuing the relationship with Christ. Two weeks ago, Miriam unpacked the story of Mary and Martha. Martha complains that she has all the work to do and Mary isn't helping because she is sitting at Jesus' feet, gaining, protecting and pursuing a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus turns and explains to Martha that Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary. All the hard work Martha is doing is garbage compared to the one thing that's necessary. The priority is to sit at the feet of Jesus, listening, learning and loving in his presence. Being circumcised, obeying all the rules, wearing all the right clothes, saying all the right things, playing all the right notes, working on all the good things is pointless. In fact, they're worse than pointless if they give us a false sense of security, a false sense of hope, a false sense of righteousness. It's far better to have none of that so you're not tempted to think that it matters in terms of your righteousness. Instead, Paul says, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, his, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You see, what's great about being a Christian is that we aren't reliant on anything of our own righteousness. <laughs> The problem is our temptation to forget that truth and to backslide into thinking outward behavior matters more than inner thought and belief and faith because it doesn't and it never will. Cool thing also about this part of the letter is is Paul's acknowledgement that he hasn't figured it all out yet. He hasn't achieved the heavenly life yet. We used to talk about a holy life, a life of holiness a lot. It's that heavenly life. That life that is a prize that calls us heavenward. No good, he says, not that I have already attained all of this, or I've already attained my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus one thing I do is press on I try to live the best and holiest life the heavenly life the life of the loved but if I fail if I fall if I struggle if I hurt one thing I do is I press on I always press into my walk with Jesus We talked a lot about priorities over the last five weeks. We've talked about Mary and Martha. We've looked at the rich young ruler. In the first week, we looked at King David's words, where he said, no matter what happens, no matter what comes against me, one thing I ask is that I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing in all these stories, the one thing that matters, the one thing to ask for, the one thing that so many people lack, the one thing that is truly necessary is to be in. In Jesus' presence, listening, learning, and loving. A lot of people feel like they've made mistakes in life that disqualify them from any sort of relationship with the divine. So many times, you know, I invite someone to church and they say, no, I can't come to church, the roof will fall in. Or, Or I'll be hit by lightning. Well, if you've ever felt like that, and Paul's message is for you today. Nothing disqualifies us. God does not smite or smote. God is loving and simply says, come. So press on and into a relationship with God, because when you do, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. I guarantee that you will one day be able to say, like the blind man from last week, one thing I know is that my life is better today for being in Jesus' presence. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way in which you inspired and encouraged Paul in the middle of his isolation, in the middle of his home imprisonment, in his cell. We thank you for the realizations that you gave him, the deep thoughts of understanding. And we pray, Lord, that we would too, No matter what comes against us, no matter what work seems to bring us away, no matter what priorities we might think we have, no matter what qualifications we might be tempted to think matter, may we always press on and sit in your presence, striving to live the life of the loved, the life of the heavenlies, a life that is holy in your presence. I pray that anyone and everyone hearing my words this morning would know your love, would know your acceptance, would know that you do not smite or smote, but you love. May they know your acceptance and may that love transform their lives in the way it did, Paul. May we know your love matters more than anything. May we all be able to say, one thing I know, life is better in your presence. As we pray in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.